right, if you have your Bibles handy, we're going to be looking and reading at uh, Matthew chapter 6. So if you can open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, I'm going to be reading verses 1 to 18 from the New International Version. So it's Matthew 6, verses 1 to 18. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. See, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honoured by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Good morning, everyone. What a week, hey? Um, unfortunately, I'll need to duck away, uh, basically just before church finishes this morning, to go across to Wavell Heights to conduct their annual meeting um, they're having theirs today and we're having ours in a few weeks' time. So if you miss me afterwards, feel free to give a call during the week if you want to talk about anything in the sermon, for example. Let's pray as we look at this part of the Bible. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that as we look at your word and think about what it says, we pray that you would correct our thinking. Lord, please keep working at transforming and renewing our minds. And Father, as that happens, we pray that you would reassure us with your faithfulness, that you do keep your promises. And Lord, we thank you for the reality of forgiveness. Please keep reassuring us with that as well. Um, please teach us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This is our third sermon in the Sermon on the Mount, and I thought I'd put on the screen where we've been, just so you can see how it does hang together. I mean, it's one block of teaching that Jesus gave to his disciples. But as we look at this part of the passage today, if you can think about motives, that would be helpful. It's impossible for us to really know what a person's motives are. 
So if you're driving along the road, stuck behind someone who's going really slow, you might think, man, they're just so compliant. When in reality, that is all their car would do. They would want to go faster, but they can't. You, you don't know that. You can't tell their motives. Well, this little boy here, giving the flower to his perhaps grandmother, I mean, why is he doing that? Is he doing that because he just loves flowers and he just loves his grandmother? Or is he doing it because his dad's off camera, he's given him $5 and a promise of an ice cream if he is nice to his grandmother for once? You, you just don't know. Or, or this lady helping perhaps her mother with the computer. Maybe she's looking up the photo of the grandson giving the, the grandmother the flower. Or maybe she's showing her mother the nursing home she intends to send her to, like it or not. You, you don't know. You can't read a person's motives just by looking from outside. Or this young man being so helpful. Or is he being paid? You just don't know. That's my point. You, don't, you can't read a person's motives. And yet, we know that. And yet, so much of what we do is us being concerned about what other people might think about our motives. About what other people might think of us and what they think as they see us do what we do. We're, we spend lots of our life thinking about these things. So much so that um, we construct this kind of outward appearance for people so that they'll think well of us, so that they'll think particular things about us. We act out in front of our neighbours. Our neighbour across the road has been working from home a lot recently. His desk is right by a glass door. He goes like that. He can see our front yard. He knows everything I do on a Friday morning. Everything. I, I think about this. We act out. We play our part for our friends. We even try to pull it off at home. But trust me, your family members can see straight through you. What really matters is not what other people think about us. What really matters is what God thinks about us. Because he can see our hearts. He can understand why we do what we do. And so when you look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. It's pretty plain, isn't it? Take care that you don't set out to impress other people by the good you do. Just don't go there. Um, this is part of uh, the Sermon on the Mount. It started back in chapter 5, verse 1. Jesus speaking to his disciples on the side of a mountain. He's drawn them in. He's speaking to them in the hearing of the crowds. And he's teaching them. And as you look back through, in the first week we saw he wants his, his disciples to be shining lights to be attractive, drawing people in to want to praise our Father in heaven. And we saw in the second week, as far as um, righteousness goes, he wants them to aim for, for perfection. And as we see these things, it speaks to us. This is what a follower of Jesus will be like. This is what the Christian life is like. We want to be attractive, attracting people to the gospel and to Jesus and to God, not to us. And we want to be aiming for perfection. Um, that was week one and week two. And then the next verse, 6 verse 1, Jesus says, Motives matter. So he says, as you seek to stand out and be that shining light, as you seek to aim for perfection, make sure that what you're doing isn't done for the sake of other people as they look on. Um, your concern should be what God thinks. So 6 verse 1 goes, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. And then it says, if you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. What matters is what God thinks of us. That's what matters. As followers of Jesus, yeah, we strive for perfection, 
because God is perfect. We strive for perfection because God knows what our actions are. We act in a righteous way because we're accountable to God. God will reward. Um, God will take care of us. God will look after us. Look back at chapter 5, verse 6, you know, in the Beatitudes. Look the way it says it there. It says, Blessed are they, or those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. God will look after us. God will look after us. We give up everything to follow Jesus. We sacrifice ourselves and everything that we are to follow Jesus. We repent, we follow Jesus, and God will look after us. He will reward us, take care of us. So we strive to live for God. We mark ourselves out as different from everyone around, not to impress other people, but so others will see through us and see God. It's a matter of motives because motives do matter. Um, as you look across the passage, there's three things which Jesus draws our attention to. Three distinctively religious things. Prayer, giving, and fasting. Three things which characterize, I reckon, Jewish religion of the day. So if you think about, a, a bit of an aside, but if you think about the parable that Jesus tells about the Pharisee and the tax collector. So the Pharisee, the way he prays that day, so he's praying, it draws attention to everything he's done. So he says, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get. You notice the same three things. He's praying, he's talking about his giving, and he's talking about his fasting. It's all kind of Jewish religiousness tied up in there. And that's a parable. Jesus made up that parable to make a point. It's a story made up to make a point. Jesus singles out three marks of, I think, religiosity that would be understood in those days as being religious things, prayer, giving, and fasting. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus holds up the same practices as examples. So 6 verse 1, be careful not to practice your righteousness, not to do these things in front of others to be seen by them. I reckon there's many other things that we would want Jesus to perhaps touch on with his examples, like maybe when you sing at church, don't draw attention to yourself. When you're asked to read the Bible at church, do it in a way that draws us into the text and not to yourself. When you lead in prayer in church, don't, we could go on and on. When you're helping the old lady across the street, don't do it in a way that we might want other illustrations, but Jesus singles in on these three, prayer, giving, and fasting, because I think these were things which the religious leaders and the Pharisees drew attention to and did in a way that draw attention to their efforts at being godly, at being good. Remember back in chapter 5, verse 20, Jesus says he wants his followers, he wants their righteousness to surpass that of the Pharisees. And one way it will is if you don't draw attention to yourself. Um, as you look across the verses we're looking at today, if you look across verses 1 to 18, you see those three things mentioned. So verses 2 to 4 talk about giving. Verses 5 and 6 talk about prayer. Then you jump over 7 to 15, and in verses 16 to 18, it's talking about fasting. And then if you look at those three sections, there's a bit of structure to it. There's repetition. So it goes like this. It goes, when you give, fast, or pray, don't be like the hypocrites and insert your reason. And then it says, I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full, an explanation. And then it says, but when you give, fast, or pray, do it like this. And then it says, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. It's, this kind of, it's very ordered. Um, the repetition reinforces the point. And a few things to notice as you look at it. Uh, there's a couple of things which get lost in the translation, I think. So firstly, Jesus is saying, don't be like the hypocrites. And if you look up the Greek word for hypocrites, it's the idea of pretending. 
um, I'm told it derives from the, the idea of acting. It makes sense, doesn't it? They're, they're acting out. They're playing the part for all who will see them. The hypocrites Jesus has in mind, they're actors. They act out to get a reward, to get payment for acting in that way. And in contrast, Jesus wants his disciples to do what they do in secret, um, not to bring attention to themselves. So that's the first thing to notice, which you may lose in the English translation. The second thing is the idea of rewards. So if you look back at verse 1, it says, if you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So you kind of, it sets up this expectation of rewards. Act like that and God's going to reward you. But then if you look at verse 4, um, so that your giving may be in secret, then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Again, this idea of reward. And we can get, as we read the English, we can get obsessed with the rewards. Um, and your motives can become wrong. You know, why are you doing these things? Are you doing it for what you'll get out of it? That sort of idea. Um, our minds shouldn't go that way because there's something lost in translation here. The word translated reward in verse 1 is not the same word that's translated as reward in verse 4, for example. There's two different words being called, uh, used, and actually they're in contrast. So the reward the hypocrites act for is like the payment for their wages. It's just, it's, you earn it. That's what the hypocrites are acting for. Um, and the reward which Jesus' followers get is what we wait for. It's what's provided for us. It's given to us. The difference between earning and being given. One's earned, one's given. There's something else to notice. When you talk about the hypocrites, the word used for their reward is wages type stuff. But when you think about the disciples, that's the same word that gets translated in 5 verse 33. It's worth looking at this. So 5 verse 33 is not talking about rewards at all in English. It goes, again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. Behind that is the same word, reward, to fulfill um, to the Lord the vows you have made. Um, so back to this again in our passage. The hypocrites, they do what they do, they act out for what they can get out of it, what they can earn from it. Followers of Jesus behave the way they do because we know that God will fulfill, God will look after us, God will bless us. What I'm saying is there's that contrast through the passage. So whereas in the English we start thinking, well, how's God going to reward us? Why, why does he tell us what the reward is? That's not the point. The point is they're trying to earn it. We're waiting on God to give good things that he's promised. Um, and you've got the Beatitudes in the background. Chapter 5, verse 6, Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. God will look after us. So with those kind of two things um, pointed out to you, as followers of Jesus, we're not out to impress people. We're out to please God. We don't act out in order to earn favour. We wait on God to look after us. We trust God to look after us. You can't see motives from the outside, but God sees on our heart. Um, secrecy will safeguard the sincerity of your actions. That's the idea here. That's what Jesus is saying with his three examples. Um, let's have a look at the three examples. Firstly, giving to the needy. So verse 2, as trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues or in the streets, uh, to be honoured by others, truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. It makes sense, doesn't it? You don't blow trumpets to say, look what I'm doing. The people that do that, they've got any reward they're going to get. What we do is we seek to please God secretly. Um, the other passages talk about not even knowing what your left hand and right hand are doing. Um, 
I remember visiting a home in the eastern suburbs of Sydney when I was growing up. It was a Jewish home. And they were talking about this publication and people's names and stuff. It took me a little while to work out what they were talking about. They were talking about this record of, in the Jewish community, who had given what that year, this annual kind of statement of giving. You can imagine what that would do to us as a church if we adopted something like that, blowing our trumpet, declaring what... It would be a horrible, horrible mess. Um, if you give for the sake of what others think of you... Well, maybe we should get some of those big, whopping, great checks and start passing them around. That would be really... Does anyone use checks? But anyway, you, you, get the, you get the picture. So verse 2, So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on streets to be honoured by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received the reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving will be in secret. And then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you will fulfill, will look after you. Um, don't advertise your generosity. Let secrecy safeguard your sincerity. Don't even you know, talk yourself up to yourself. Praise yourself. Don't, maybe don't even keep a record of what you give. Um, as Christians, we want to stand out from the rest of the world with our generosity, but not so that people see us, so they see through us and see God. Um, with church... Uh, we try to keep our, our giving to church as anonymous as we possibly can so that no one knows who's giving what. Um, we don't pass around an, an open offering plate. I think I've told you this trick before when I was a kid uh, in some Baptist churches we were at, they'd pass the bag around. And we worked out you could flick the bag from the bottom and it made a sound, even if you put nothing in the top. It's all done for show, but there you go. Um, we, want, we want to encourage those who are regular a regular part of our church, be considered and consistent and generous in your giving. Uh, yeah, so that others will be attracted to God. Um, and we should be giving beyond our church. I mean, this passage is talking about alms, giving alms for, for those who are in need. But here in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He's saying, this is what I want you to live like so that you draw people in, so you're fishers of men. Um, this is what I want you to live like so you stand out as different, as you strive to be perfect. Don't do any of this to bring attention to yourself. The principle is secrecy, safeguard, sincerity. Then you come to the second example he gives, and that's prayer. Um, verse 5, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the, street, in the synagogues and on the street corners to others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen, and then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. It's an example. It's an illustration. You don't have to shut the door every time you pray. The point is you're not doing it to bring attention to yourself. Don't pray for show. When I was growing up, I used to um, stand in awe of people who would, after church, they'd stay on extra long in the pew with their head down. Um, or people that said grace that just you know, meant they put their head down at the table, they're late for the meal but they say their own grace and they go on forever and a day I used to be in awe of that and tempted to do the same thing but there's a line somewhere isn't there? You cross a line when you're doing these things to draw attention to yourself somewhere um, but we do want to encourage each other to pray we do want to do that and to pray lots and on the matter of prayer in verse 7 Jesus he breaks this pattern in the passage and has more to say. So in verse 7 he goes, And when you pray, um, do not uh, keep on babbling like pagans, for they think 
they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Uh, we should be careful with the way that we pray, that we aren't babbling, that we're not choosing our words to draw attention to ourselves. Um, in growth group, for example, um, praying in a way that draws attention to the fact we're praying and not to how you're praying. Um, when you pray at the front of a church, what you're doing is you're praying on behalf of all of us. You're leading us in prayer. You're not praying in front of us so much as praying with us and for us. And so when you, of course it makes sense to put thought into your prayer and to prepare it because you're praying a prayer that you want all of us to be able to say amen to. But as you pray, there's no eyes in it. It's we. It's us. Um, when we pray in public, we should put thought into how we pray, but we don't want to cross the line to be praying in a way that draws attention to our flowery words. Or we, If you could fake generosity, that's what you want to do. Uh, not generosity, genuineness. If you could fake sincerity, there you go. That's, the, that's what you're aiming at. Just being genuine and being sincere. And it's in this context Jesus introduces what's become known as the Lord's Prayer. And in the context of um, this teaching, it's like, don't pray those complex, wordy, waffly prayers. Pray this simple prayer. That's how it's introduced to us. He goes, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if we f you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. There's another whole sermon on that prayer and the shape of it, the structure of it, what he prays about. But just a couple of things. This is a model prayer, an example prayer. It's not a prayer you must pray word for word. It's Jesus saying, don't pray like this. Pray like this and giving a, a clear example. And when you look through it, it's focused on God and on his plans and on God's will being done, not yours. Um, it's not so focused on us and our wants, only in as much as us being looked after so that we can care for others and forgive others. So Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He's teaching them how to be fishers of men, how to pe make people attracted to the gospel, teaching them how to strive to be perfect. And as he does so, he says, do it with pure motives. Do this to please God, not to draw attention to yourself. And the principle is secrecy safeguards sincerity. The third example that he gives is the example of fasting. Take note, Jesus is not saying you must fast. Um, but neither is he saying um, that you must not fast. In fact, if you want to uh, structure or build uh, a theology on fasting, it's, you don't have a whole lot to go on. I think, though, let's not miss the point. Jesus is talking about fasting here, I think, because it's one of those religious things that people identified as being religious, and he's saying, when you do these things, don't do it in a way that draws attention to yourself. Um, he's talking about motives. And so if you look at verse 16, when you fast, do, do not look sombre as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they're fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. You need to read this with a little bit of discernment because if you are fasting and you did this, you will draw attention to yourself. In our day, anyway. Verse 18, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. 
you get the point, don't you? He's gone through three examples of things which are attributed to being religious and said, when you do these things, don't draw attention to yourself. Um, it's like he's giving us a way to think about Christian religion, isn't he? It's not about it being impressive. Being a Christian, it's not about acting. It's about sincerity. It's about being salt and light. It's not about earning anything. It's about waiting on God to provide. It's about serving God. Um, and while you can't read a person's motives from their actions, still the, the things we do will impact on others. Um, we want to impact others in a way that drives them to their knees beside us, praying to our Father in heaven. That's what we want to do, um, to the praise of God, our Father in heaven as well. So Christian religion, it's, it's not religion for religion's sake. It's about humbly serving King Jesus. And I thought, um, as the way to close the, the sermon today, I thought I might pray the Lord's Prayer. Feel free to join with me or not. I know it's an example prayer, but it's also a good prayer that we can pray. So I'll pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen.